0: Chapter 12 There was no sedan chair. Rebecca had helped design the interior spaces of this flying ship, had pored over her husband's plans for canvas and spar, propeller and strut. Now she'd rode in it, in the seat beside Yarmouth.
1: I had no idea you were a flyer,
0: she said, her eyes tracing out the fertile lowlands of the Losanin Basin. The broad valley led to the great city of the same name, and beyond to the sea. I learned when I was a healer in Jamura. It was the only way one man could cover 200,000 square miles of sparsely populated tribal lands. He adjusted a lever. The cockpit bristled with them. Each label asked to function and each bring in a distinctive grip so they could be manipulated without looking. Of course, those craft weren't anything like this. Held together with vines and spit, driven by power stone chips the size of your thumbnail. Not like this. Even among warships, there were few like this. Most were cargo dirigibles with masses of inflated canvas above, providing lift to the slow and ponderous craft. They often had slim propellers at the end of pivoting arms, sleeker crafts were fewer, war vessels stationed along the borders of the Empire, poised for airstrikes against barbarian incursions. These fast bombers and fighters rarely approached Halcyon. The ship they rode in now was the elite of the elite, one of the eight cutters built by the Thrain capital. They were designed for the express purpose of quickly fetching elders and eldest from far-flung city-states to attend emergency councils. Each cutter could carry up to 30 persons with little room for other provisions. The vessel held itself aloft by means of a rigid set of curved wings that arced up from the central hull of the craft. These were aided by a pair of buoyant vacuum spheres, one in the nose and the other in the tail. The wings and silver-painted canvas of the cutter made it seem a giant shark with mouth agape. Its tremendous speed and agility only strengthened the impression. Regional uprisings have been averted by the fearsome sight of eight sharkskin cutters arriving over a city. The cutters flew once or twice a year. Revolts were quelled, and peace was restored. This time, the uprising was not an oppressed underclass. It was a disease. This time, Halcyon flew its own delegates out to the cities at large. We'll be at Losanen soon, Yama said, easing a lever that was linked to ten separate struts. It's a beautiful place, tropical with palms and lush forests. It's also blooming. They've been converting swamp where they can, and building stilt houses on it where they cannot. This will be an interesting stop for you. You said you wanted to study the architecture of the Empire.
1: The architecture of the Empire? Yes, that's why I came,
0: Rebecca said, nodding as if to convince herself. In truth, she had come for a whole host of ill-defined reasons, the least of which was the architecture of the Empire. Rebecca had come because Glaceon had been comatose for nearly two months. The shock of his burned manuscript had been too much. Her bedside vigil had grown heartbreaking. Every night, in penance for some offense she still could not identify, she sat by his bedside and reconstructed the burned fragments of his notes. she read aloud from the theories until she herself had them nearly memorized. She grilled Yalmoth to provide what he remembered of the missing pages. None was enough. None of it brought her husband back. He did not so much as open an eye. Mutter a word. Yalmoth spoke a word. Spoke three. Come with me. That was the main reason Rebecca had come. Yalmoth asked for her. She could use a couple months away from the sickbed. A couple months in the company of this visionary genius, tirelessly saving Halcyon and the whole empire. That was why Yalmoth made this trip. To save the empire. He had found advanced cases of Thysus among elders and eldest of the council. This was no longer a plague of the poor. Many of those suffering from Thysus had once opposed the efforts they now benefited from. They sent a scare through the whole empire. The council voted that Yalmoth should establish healing corps in the other seven city states. Each would be run by healers trained by Yalmoth himself. Fourteen such healers rode now in the cutter amidships. Another group of thirty or so would meet them in the cities, one-time exiles with Yamoth. This corps of Eugenesis would train locals in the treatments of thyssus, the principles of physical medicine, surgical technique, drug application, experimentation, vivisection and technique for handling hostile interviews and plague revolts. They would be healers and fighters. After these two months, each city of the Empire would have the seed of a healing army planted in its heart. To make one trip count for two, Yawmoth would assess the military reforms in each city-state. He was empowered to suggest, and sometimes required, further action to reform the weak and corruption-riddled Imperial Guard and Thran army. That is why Yawmoth made this trip. Healers and Soldiers. Look there! Is that the Delta? Rebecca said. She pointed beyond the shell of the forewing. There, the wide brown river that snaked through lazily through the basin emptied onto an alluvial plain. Among hulking willows and tall tangles of cypress, a city spread. Its lights glimmered low above ever present water. Every fire cast a shimmering twin in the black flood beneath. The outlying homes seemed natural outgrowths of its muddy embankments. Some had a globular logic, like bubbles mounting above a submerged pocket of decay. Others were bubulous and half sunken into the cypress roots that surrounded them. Thatch lodge shoulder their round roofs among palms. Stilt houses waited in the furtive herds in the gentler eddies and backwaters of the almighty river. Rebecca laughed. She could not remember the last time she laughed. Yama smiled, turning toward her. What is it? The architecture of the Empire, she giggled happily.
1: Beautiful forms. Perfectly adapted to the landscape. Perfectly evolved for the watery basin. But can you imagine any of these shaggy ungulates lining the streets of Halcyon?
0: He was laughing now, too. A bit too earthy, yes. A bit too marshy, Rebecca added, wiping a tear from her eye.
1: Behind buildings like these, you expect to find gnat swarms and piles of droppings.
0: Yama slapped the arm of a seat. Now don't make me crash. Deeper into the Delta, the traditional materials, thatch, bamboo, mud, and wood, were replaced by stone, mortar, plaster, and glass. The natural duns and reds gave way to shades of white and gray. The small scale forms were amplified and reinvented by a civic architecture of domes and curves. Rebecca shook her head and sighed contentedly as the cutter passed alongside the white tumble of the central city.
1: I shouldn't laugh. There's much I can learn here, many beautiful forms.
0: Yamath released one lever he had been drawing back, and his hand dropped, warm and muscular, to her knee. If laughter is all Osannid can offer, just now, it offers plenty. The quarantine caves of the dam were filling. Gix laughed ruefully. Lovely beds. The loads of lumber had kept coming, and the refugees atop them. According to plans Yarmouth had sent, Gix and his crew had constructed deep shelves along the walls of the Great Cavern. The sick would lie there, side by side, heads outward. Each shelf had tilted toward the wall, with the lower half of the patients left bare. Liquid and solid waste, were channeled down to fall between the scaffold and the wall. Once a week, a brigade of buckets doused the patients, and the overflow rinsed their bunks. Yalmoth considered it an innovation. Gix considered it an atrocity. Lesions grew rampantly. Bed sores and splinters ravaged skin. Rancid meat gruel was ladled and cracked lips. In wet darkness, the sick lay. They died. Patients were encouraged to report deaths immediately. It meant more elbow room and more gruel. Health Corps workers stripped the fresher bodies pierced them with meat hooks, and hoisted them to the conveyor that crossed the ceiling. They were disposed off in an adjacent cavern, redolent with steam. The dead who had begun to rot were left longer, some so rat-eaten that only bone and hair remained for the barrows. Once a week, serum arrived. Once a day, there was more rancid meat grueling. Atrocity. Were geeks to rebel, Yarmouth would simply cut up the supply of serum. Every last one would die. Corpses ensconced in a wall crypt. If Gix obeyed, these poor wretches lived on, and another batch of prisoners got to ascend. Better to
1: live in atrocity than to die in glory.
0: It had become the commanding principle of Gix's life. It was why he had not died in that first attack on the Manorig four years ago. It was why he had not killed Glaceon, had not killed Rebecca, had called off the riots and became the servant of the oppressor. All Gix's ideals melted away before the simmering gaze of death. Self-preservation kept Gix alive but transformed him into the image of his cruel master. A runner came up the footpath. He was a young boy, the one who arrived on the first elevator ride. He had survived an ordeal that had a man killed. The message was not lost on the lad. He made himself Gix's assistant, was ever-present and damnly helpful. Gix didn't even know his name.
1: There's another shipment arriving. Lumbers and lepers.
0: The boy overheard Gix's disparaging comment one day and had made it standard terminology.
1: Word has it. There are 23 this time.
0: Damn that, Yalmoth Gix cursed.
1: We have no more room. No point cursing Yalmoth,
0: the boy pointed out unhelpfully. He is the one that put you here, boy. He's the one who damned you. An ingenuous smile crossed his face.
1: He's the one who saved me, like he saved all the others. He calls people to the light.
0: It was religious rhetoric from the faith of the damned. The cult had arisen in the last year and made it a savior of Yalmoth. Gix hissed. Everyone who climbs out of here climbs a pile of corpses.
1: You know, with the upper caves emptying, we could take over one of them. Make it a quarantine. There'd be room for hundreds more.
0: Blinking warily, Gix sighed.
1: Yes, of course. It is a good idea.
0: Health corps were operational now in the seventh Rand city-states. Fourteen pairs of founders were in place. Thirty-some eugenicists had returned from exile, and locals were lining up to learn to heal and fight. Among the citizens, many cases were already diagnosed. A great many artificers, forever surrounded by stone matrices, were succumbing to the disease. The oldest and best artificers were the most sorely afflicted. They who once had banished eugenicists were now at their mercy. Hastily built quarantine camps were filling with artificers. The camps were built and maintained by a new solidarity. The Imperial Guard and Thrain army had undergone purges at the highest levels. Young officers had been promoted and indoctrinated in the new military philosophy. They were accountable to the council of course, and the council was Yalmoth. These fighting forces would work hand in glove with the healing corps to protect the people from foes internal and external. Folk who lived in the complacent ignorance only a year before now saw threats at every hand. Every danger made them love Yalmoth the more. He was as much a savior in Losanan and Shingon, Wington and Neoron, as in Halcyon. Between healers and soldiers and civilians, Yalmoth's every spare moment was taken up. His time had passed in a flurry of activity. For Rebecca, the two months had been a long respite. She had wandered the greatest boulevards in the empire, had toured the vast temples and palaces and state houses of the ancient land, to be immersed in the stone colonnades, to see how light strolled through it, to taste the air that breathed from the ancient masonry. All of it had been a communion with bygone minds. Rebecca had tried to convey this to Yarmouth, but only in the cutter did they have any time to talk. Usually he dominated those moments. He spoke of his health programs and his hope for the future of the nation that once had banished him. Now, at last, she had a chance. They were flying over a high and beautiful land. Snow-capped mountains lorded over wide valleys, green with summer. Pines climbed the chiseled heights. Crystalline rivers chanted in rocky beds below. Black earth filled the glades. Aspen shimmered with cool wind. Look at this sweet place, Yama said with a contested sigh. This is what I want for our people. For our people. A life of splendor and plenty. Yes, but not in overcrowded cities rank with disease. A life with wide natural spaces. A life in paradise beneath the skies.
1: Do you know what I want? What I've been looking for?
0: Rebecca blurted in a rush.
1: I've been looking at the past. I've been seeing the future. In old crypts, I've seen castles in the clouds. And they're perfectly possible. The Thran Temple could be a floating universe. I've been looking at art. But this is what I've been seeing.
0: She opened her sketchpad. From the page, unmistakably, a drawing of Yarmouth peered forth. His piercing eyes and chiseled jaw and broad shoulders had been rendered quickly in expert lines, in the style of an elder's bust. And this? She flipped the page, which showed Yarmouth again, this time in the style of the old emperors. And this? The next page showed in a frieze that depicted the eight patriarchs of the Thrant as they entered the Virgin Continent. And this. He was no less than a god in the final depiction, mortals rising as formless clay figures in his shaping palm. Each of these images, Yamoth took in with a single, intense stare. Each time, face impassive, he turned his eyes back on the grand panorama before him. Do you see? Rebecca asked. Do you see what I have seen? His lips were a grim line on his face. You've seen a lot of sculptures.
1: No, I've seen a lot of sculpture. I've seen the future. The future
0: is you. He blinked. He took a deep breath. I'm not sure what to say to that. Rebecca saved him the trouble, leaning across the helm of that great cutter and kissing him full on the lips. She cradled the back of his head in her hand, felt the warmth of his lips, breathed in the scent of him. Yarmouth pushed her gently back. What are you doing? Her eyes searched his.
1: What do you mean? What am I doing?
0: He seemed almost to blush. The great granite Yalmoth blushed. It's just that with these icy peaks, they can come up suddenly. I don't want to risk a crash. He paused, seeming to sense how awkward he was being, and laughed lightly. I don't want to risk the future. Rebecca sat back in the seat. She felt as though he had sliced her open and dragged all of her insides out on the floor. It'll be good to see the city again, Yalmoth said. I have some new ideas for treating your husband. And then, had spitted and roasted her heart on a slow flame.